Good morning. It is fantastic to see you people. We're starting a new sermon series, and I always like when there's a new sermon bumper because there's like, and especially when you're up here and can look down, there's some people in the crowd that kind of get a little, you know. <laughs> Just keep it here. Not too much. We're going to stay in our lane, but we're going to move to the beat. We're starting a new sermon series on the book of Corinthians. Corinthians being a series of letters written by the Apostle Paul. And we know this because he starts off saying, hey, I'm Paul and I'm sending you a letter. And we're going through, and what's so cool about Corinthians is Paul's writing these letters to the church of Corinth. And as he's writing these letters, he's bringing up some issues he's finding because he can't, Paul is sort of the, the, you know, world pastor at this point in time, for lack of a better word. And so he, but, you know, this is a very long time ago. We don't have live stream. We don't have Facebook. We don't have whatever the wonderful technology we have today. And so he's having to write letters. Uh, I remember I had a job one time. We had to mail in some stuff to corporate. And there was a girl that was in college working underneath me. And I was like, can you fill this out and send it to corporate? And she, I look over, she's Googling how to fill out a letterhead. And I'm like, how far have we come that people don't know how to write a letter anymore? But these series of letters Paul is sending out to the church, and he's bringing up some issues. He's sending encouragement. He's uh, sending advice. But throughout all of this, it's amazing that 2,000 years later, the exact same issues are still popping up in the church today. The same crisis, the same advice is needed, the same uh, problems are still going on today, and it's universal that the church kind of goes through cycles where we're seeing these things where we're going to be constantly needed to be reminded to not do or to do certain things. Uh, our scripture for this morning is 1 Corinthians 10. It says, Now I urge you, brothers, in the name of Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree in what you say, that there be no division among you, that you be united in the same understanding and the same conviction. Uh the sort of subtitle is is get in your corner. That's what I wanted to call it this morning. Get in your corner. As a young man, I had a younger brother who was less than two years younger than me. For any of you, he's right there. It's fantastic. But for any of you that had a sibling that was close to the same age as you, or you have kids that are close to the same age of each other, there tend to be arguments from time to time. And my dad had a phrase when we would be in the car together and we would start arguing over usually something goofy. He would say, get in your corners. And that meant don't look at each other, stare out the window and be quiet or I'm going to crash this car into the next telephone pole I see. <laughs> and I wonder if that's sort of the same feeling that Paul had is when he's running. He's like, listen, y'all keep arguing and just one more, just one more argument I hear out of you people I'm crashing this whole thing into the next telephone pole I see. Another, another version uh, of the Bible, it, it's, it starts off instead of saying, now I urge you, Paul says, I have some serious concerns to bring up with y'all. And arguing is a big deal. And like most of the time, we argue with each other, not out of a sense of like anger or a sense of, you know, necessarily like we're mad at each other, but we argue because naturally we're competitive people. And I've, I've always seen people be like, yeah, I'm, I'm real competitive. Like, that's something different than ever. I've never met one person that's not competitive in one way or another. 
You know, we, we had a men's golf outing a little while back for the men of the church, and it was fantastic. Clint Banks showed up with 35 golf clubs in his bag. Half, <laughs> half of them were made out of wood. It's like, I'm going to tear every one of y'all up. I've never swung. Y'all just wait. Y'all just wait. I'm Tiger Woods right now. And it was fantastic. But, like, as guys, when we get in any, we could be playing cornhole. We could be throwing darts. We could be do, stacking BBs. Whatever we're doing, we're naturally competitive, and we're going to talk smack about it. And there's nothing wrong with that. But that's, that's sometimes we have to take that absolute just passion for competitiveness and hone it in because when it turns into I have to be right about everything it becomes a problem it says I urge you dear brothers in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that all of you agree in what you say there be no division among you and I've, I've as you read this you might think well what does division in the church look like and I had to go to Bible college and some call it seminary we called it cemetery because that's where you that's where you went to die. And you'd have to go through these classes and write these huge theological arguments and argue over the goofiest things on the planet and you're like this is going to really help you in your ministry. And like half the people go to be missionaries in third world countries where they don't even speak the language they're going to and I'm like, well, it's a good thing we know how to argue all these things that don't matter. But when we think about arguing inside of the church, we immediately go to like these really deep issues and like these deep theological principles. And I'm going to tell you, I've never been in a church, especially this one, and it just break out that like, you know, is some deep theological principle relevant? Are we arguing that communion consists of transubstantiation, subsubstantiation? You know, I've never said, I've got a problem with this church and the way we believe about community. No one's ever brought that up. No one's ever brought up, you know, is the book of Genesis just a metaphor for creation? We don't argue about that stuff. And so you might think from the surface, yeah, we get, we all get along pretty well in the church. We all have the same mind. We all believe that Christ died and he rose again. And amen, we just celebrated that at Easter. But division in the church I think looks a lot different today than it did 20, 30, 40 years ago. You know, the issues that we bring up to the world, the issues that we post forward, the things that we want to take a stance and die on the hill on change over time. You know, back, back a long time ago, it might have been the way your hair was cut or the what you wore or the way you looked on the outside. You know, you might hear phrases like, why are you going to dress so worldly? You know, Keep the hair off your ears, lest you be cast into the pit of hell. You know, I, I think that now that we've, we've successfully gotten past that as a church whole. You know, we've gotten over the, you know, it's all about how you look and your outer appearance, and God looks at the heart. But let me tell you something. When people get on national television, or on, because anybody now can be famous. It's a lot easier to be famous now than it was a long time. You had to, you know, be on television to be famous, you know, but now you can shoot a viral, was it the viral video trend? I shot a viral video one time. I, I, that's my 20 seconds of fame. I shot one viral video, and it was a video of an alpaca running down 316. 
<laughs> My mark left on the world for millions of years was me going, would y'all look at that? There's an alpaca on 316. <laughs> and at one, of the, one of the news channels was like, actually, that was a llama. So I was not only shot a viral video, but I was wrong on <laughs> in front of God and everybody, millions of views. Uh, but it's easy to be famous now. And so these people get up and they can shoot professional looking videos and they can speak and say, well, I'm such and such. And I went to this seminary and I'm a pastor at this church. And let me tell you something about the Bible. And it just be absolute garbage. But because it looks good and it, it sounds good even that we, we kind of believe the trash. I think that's where we're kind of headed now is where we don't know who to listen to and who to believe. And what's so, so crazy about this is when we scroll down, it said literally in the same chapter, it says, God didn't send me to, to collect a following of, for myself. This is Paul speaking. God didn't send me out to collect a following for myself, but to preach the message of what he has done, collecting a following for him. Because the message that points to Christ on the cross seems like sheer silliness to those hell-bent for destruction. But those on the way of salvation, it makes perfect sense. I'll turn conventional wisdom on its head and expose these so-called experts as shams. Where can you find someone truly wise and truly educated and truly educated in this day and age? Where can you find someone truly wise, <laughs> truly educated, and truly intelligent in this day and age? You can't work in customer service and tell me that education means intelligence. If you've ever worked in customer, like, I lost so much hope for humanity when I worked in customer service through college. And people, and I, I worked in Athens, so people are like, yeah, I'm in the doctoral program at UGA. Okay, well, you don't know how to write your name correctly. And there's so much information being shoved down our throats now as a body of believers. It's so easy to shoot off in so many different directions. Well, I believe that, you know, you can do this or you can do that. And there's so much information coming in that we don't know what's right to send back out. I think that a lot of times we substitute what the Bible says for something that sounds like what the Bible says. Because it's easy to believe what somebody says came from the Bible rather than just open it up ourselves. The easiest way to find truth is to go to the source of truth. You know, and, and people will say things that sound so good. And so why would a loving God send anyone to hell? You can... Find any way you want to to heaven, and God will provide a way. And that sounds great. It's not true. It says, hasn't God exposed it all as pretentious nonsense? Since the world and all its fancy, since the world and all its fancy wisdom never had a clue when it came to knowing God. This was written 2,000 years ago. 
world and its fancy wisdom never had a clue about knowing God. So where can we find somebody truly wise and truly educated and truly intelligent? I don't think that's a question like we're looking for somebody. It's I need you to find a way to be truly wise, truly intelligent. Like you got to do this for yourself. Because in a time like it's it seems like every week now there's some new group trying to cancel some other group. And it's it's it's. It's crazy how like companies now it gather from this what you will companies now will try to be woke and new and hip and then lose half of their marketing base. <laughs> People are trying now so hard to be culturally relevant and culturally cool and be the next hip thing and like I want to draw attention to myself where now I you're starting to see churches try to do well we're just trying to reach our audience and be, you know, the church that nobody else can be. And that's great, but I, you still need to adhere to the Bible at some point in that process. You see, it doesn't matter who we reach if we're reaching them with bad information. Amen. Standing together as a united front. See, if someone is looking... So anybody, anybody ever gone to the doctor and you say, I think I'm going to get a second opinion? And it makes you feel really good when your second opinion was the same as the first opinion. But when it's two separate opinions, you're like, okay, I'm going to die. <laughs> so somebody looking, somebody who in the darkest point of their life, searching out, for what could potentially be their eternal salvation is moving throughout the American Christian society, finding all kinds of different opinions. That really doesn't instill faith in a whole lot of people. When we can't get our own stuff together where we can all agree on one thing and be united as a front, how are we supposed to reach the people, especially now that there's so much more not unbelief is being popularized, so much more absolute nonsense that you can be whoever, whatever. I can identify as a purple duck if I want to, and you have to refer to me as such. <laughs> Quack. <laughs> but let me tell you something. We, we tell people that they can identify as whatever they want to be and be whoever they want to be and do whatever they want to do, and that starts to sound good until we start to think that we can believe whatever we want to believe and somehow the outcome will still be eternal life through Jesus Christ. God does not care about political correctness. In fact, pretty sure Jesus died because he was acting in direct political uncorrectness you know when I was reading this I, I, I like to go through the the concordance and kind of see what each and every word means and see if there's something different and what I like is like this is one of the most straightforward words when it comes to or straightforward verses when it comes to translation it says now I urge you brothers in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that all of you agree you know what that word agree means it means agree there's no, like, oh, well, this English translation is slightly up. No, it means y'all get along, quit arguing, get in your corners. 
There be no division among you. That means like, hey, since we're all in the same building together, we're all on the same team together, we're all saying we're Christians, that like you all act like you like each other. We all mention that perhaps that Jesus is the only way to heaven and that we all agree on what the Bible says. And it says, under the same conviction. This is the one that I like. Under the same convictions. Because right now, I think the biggest thing that is attacking the church is people that are under different convictions. Well, I can still do this and be saved. I can still believe this and be saved. We tried to tack on that there's a conditional like, oh, I'm allowed to do this and still be saved. God still loves me even though I do this. And we tried to tack on more and more just loopholes to our Christianity but what are we teaching people that somehow it has to do with our behavior that has to do with the fact that we're saved? We act like we earn our salvation, that like it's somehow dependent on us. And when you walk into a church feeling as though the whole world has failed you and you failed everybody else and we start to teach, well, you have to do this, this, and this to be saved. It's like, well, I'm probably going to fail that too. Under the same conviction, the same conviction and same understanding that it talks about has nothing to do with the fact that you, you know, don't drink at the Mexican restaurant after church on Sundays or you don't, you know, wear a certain T-shirt or drive a Chevy or whatever it might be. It's talking about the same conviction that says that I believe that Jesus Christ was, in fact, the Son of God. I believe that Jesus Christ was real, and he came down from heaven to earth to die for our sins. I believe that not only did he die, but three days later he rose again, and that there's nothing I can do in my life to take away from that. The same conviction means that I believe that Jesus walked on this earth and gave us words to live by. He gave us absolute truth and that everything he said was truth. I believe that the Bible is the full inspired word of God and everything from presented to to maps is truth. And am I saying that you can get away with whatever you want to and still be saved? Absolutely not. I don't go to Joel Osteen's church. But <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Am I saying that you can get? No, what I'm saying is the radical message of salvation is that Jesus really came and he died and that if I believe it, that I'm going to live by the words that he said, not because I can earn salvation, but as a result of me finding salvation. It says, I have a serious concern to bring up with you, my friends, using the authority of Jesus, our master. You must get along with each other. You must learn to be considerate of one another. And if you've been through growth track at LifePoint, you get this thing called the membership covenant. Anybody remember the membership covenant we had? And there's a very cool line on the membership covenant at LifePoint Community Church. And I'm very thankful to say that this has never really been an issue. And I've read lots and lots of membership covenants and membership covenant examples to church, but it says, I will protect the testimony of my church by refusing to gossip. 
And, in, and, and listen, gossip can be one of two things. It can be the most annoying thing in the world or it can kind of be fun because we feel like we learned something we weren't supposed to learn. Like we got some special, like it's, it's, it feels kind of wrong, but fun at the same time. It's like, Hey, I learned something I wasn't supposed to know. So I'm And so we end up spreading these lies around and instead of addressing them like Jesus told us, we, but that's why we put it in the membership. We say, we're not going to gossip. Being considerate of one another, cultivating a life in common. I think that being considerate for one another is the easiest thing on the planet we can do. I think that that's where most arguments through younger siblings start off, is being inconsiderate for one another. He took my fill-in-the-blank. He didn't. He's not, he kicked me in the forehead. He, whatever. We're being inconsiderate for one another. And to this day, me and my brother still argue a lot, but over funny things. We had an hour-long argument over Oakley's versus Costa's. <laughs> Don't start with me. <laughs> but the difference is, is with maturity comes the ability to do two things. One, we can argue, and it doesn't really, like, we're not mad at each other when we're done. We can just finish the argument, we're done. What comes with maturity is you can argue, and you know how to argue where it doesn't bug the whole rest of the room. You can go outside, and you know how to argue. I'm sure there's people in your family that you argue with, and you love them, and it's just fun to kind of pick and argue and do such things with. But then there's people in your life and maybe it's a couple friend you have, maybe it's whoever, that they don't know how to have a normal conversation. Everything is an argument. And, you're, and they might like, y'all want to go to dinner with us? No, I don't want to hear you two fight the entire time we're there. Y'all are terrible friends, and I don't like you, but <laughs> our wives work together, and we have to hang out. You're, see, if you're laughing, you're guilty. Right there, told you. But you've always seen those people that you can't stand to be around because they're arguing so much and they don't know how to have a mature conversation. All they do is argue. And how many times have we heard stories of someone walking into a church and the second you walk in and someone says amen, these little cliques start forming around the building and it becomes more of a social club on what team you're on and why you're a part of this group and you don't let people in. We don't know how to function as a cohesive unit. Instead, we treat church like it's some sort of members group that we can come in and like, well, you know, I'm a part of this group and we, you know, meet on Wednesday nights. But, you know, you have to, you know, go through the ritual to be a part of it. And sometimes ritual means kissing enough people's rear end. Sometimes church is not about coming and sharing the message of saving grace of Jesus. It's about hanging out with our friends. And is that wrong? No, I love hanging out with people. I love the sense of community church build. But if it's an exclusive group, then that's not leaving a considerate lifestyle, cultivating a life in common. In verses 11 and 12, Paul begins to talk, and he talks, I bring this up because 
you're fighting amongst yourselves, and you're all picking sides. It says, I'm on Paul's side, or I'm on Apollo's side, or Peter is, like he says, Peter is my man. I'm, I'm in the Messiah. And he says, you're all giving yourself titles. And I've, I've heard people use this argument like, that's why denominations are wrong. That's why, you know, you shouldn't have Baptist, Pentecostal, and Methodism. Listen, I've been to pretty much all of them, and they're all pretty much the same. I've been to really, really chilled out Pentecostal churches. I've been to really, really strict Baptist churches. I've been to some churches where I walk in, and I'm like, not today. You know, you walk in a church, and like, you know, we have a wooden box on stage, but if it has like a lock on the front of it, probably don't want to be a part of that church. <laughs> Got holes drilled in the side. <laughs> but we, we pick sides, and, you know, is, is there anything wrong with the denomination? Absolutely not. Because I think it's, it's more per church basis. Like, it, just because it says something on the front of the church doesn't mean the inside of the church reflects it. But let me tell you something. When it talks about picking sides, I've seen people pick sides in the church that has on issues that had nothing to do with the church. But as a body of believers, we have to take a stand. And like that might look like some things where we take a stand on something like pro-life. And I believe as a church we need to take a stance and be loud about it. But when I see pastors chiming in on the mask mandate... It's like, listen, you're not helping anybody further their eternity. Don't start arguments for the sake of starting arguments. Do I believe that we need to take a stance as a body of believers on the, our biblical view of marriage? Absolutely. Do we as believers need to chime in on what we think the gas situation and Russian foreign policy is? Do that on your own time outside of the church. Don't post, well, Trump is God's gift to mankind, and he would have never let this happen, and clearly the Lord has seen America's sin and is punishing us. S delete your Facebook. <laughs> That's not cohesive, because everybody, when you start typing something like that, or we start typing, you know it's going to start a fight. And sometimes it's fun to start arguments and fights, like earlier when I said, or Chevy. <laughs> okay? It's fun. That's fun. We're all having fun here. But when we start public arguments as a body of believers or as a believer that cause people to want to be deterred away from church, that's playing with things we ought not play with. I'm all about taking a stance and dying on a hill. I'm all about it. You want to die on a hill? Die on a hill. But if you die on a hill and it causes other people to not want to come to church, if you die on a hill and it causes people to walk further away from Christ, if it causes people to never want to walk in the doors of a church again or feel, have a bad taste in their mouth about Christianity, you died on the wrong hill. You know, Paul's writing these letters, and it, it was pretty difficult back in the day to send a letter. It wasn't just lick a stamp and send it in the mail, put the flag up on the you know mailbox, and it arrives in three to five business days. And it wasn't like he could go walk to old Kinko's and get some paper 
and go to his nearest, you know, Bic retailer and get a pen. You got to think this is 2,000 years ago. Paper, handmade. Ink, handmade. Mail delivered on some sort of live animal. And information was a lot more precious. You know, one of the biggest historical tragedies you can ever remember or ever learn about was the burning down of the Library of Alexandria, okay? Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of historical documents burned down and they can never be found again. Because information could only be stored on pen and paper. So two things. One, the fact that he felt it necessary to convey this information in his limited ability to convey information long distances, and the fact that this information survived that long, probably means that not only God, but Paul felt like this is something that a lot of people need to hear, and I need to use limited resources that I have to make sure they hear it. So how bad is that? And this is, you got to think, what was it, 2,000 years ago? So do you... A lot closer to when Jesus was on the earth than, than now. Imagine like even at like a few hundred years after Jesus has departed the earth. Okay. They talk about Jesus like we would talk about like George Washington. Like there's, there's a lot more land. Like it's fresh. You know, you can still, you can go to museums and be like, this was George Washington's wig powder case. You know, you can see it's very, very fresh and very new. And so people, when you said, talked about Jesus, the picture in their mind wasn't a painting that they saw in a church. Because, like, now, I mean, I'm going to see it's safe to say we've probably gone enough generations, people don't have an accurate description of what Jesus looked like. But people, people heard stories of their grandparents saying, well, you know, I remember when I was a kid, they, this happened and this happened. It was fresh in their mind. You know, and I, I remember hearing my grandfather talk about his parents because I, I moved into my great-grandparents' house when I was about 20, and uh, I took care of it. And I just remember going through boxes and boxes of just junk that was stored up. And I'm like, why do they keep old, like, envelopes? Why do they keep – why is there 8,000 solo cups in this closet – why and just all these crazy and I'm like, why is this up? And they would say, well, they lived through the depression and they remember when they literally had nothing, and so they don't want to throw anything away because that mindset was ingrained in their head. And depression was about a hundred years ago, give you know, and we're already back into a society that will throw anything away if it's broken, anything away. I'll throw a car away. <laughs> Not really. But we, we, we so quickly got away from what just a few generations ago was so fresh on their mind, it changed the way that they live. You know, we, we've completely altered the way our society and gone back to old habits just that quickly. So in the same note that Jesus was like just here, the church is already starting to argue and split and do so many crazy things that... Paul's like, listen, we're, we're losing focus here, people. You know, just like Easter was last week for us, he's like, Jesus, ju he just left. 
And he said, listen, I need y'all to tell everybody you can about what I did here, about me coming, dying, and go make disciples, and y'all get this whole message to the whole world. And already he's like, listen, he was just here. And we're already splitting up and arguing and making this more difficult than it needs to be. Jesus said, go tell people what I did and, you know, act like I told you to act. I didn't tell you to split hairs over theology. I didn't tell you to split hairs over political correctness. I told you to tell people, listen, uh, the whole world is in sin. We found a guy that can fix that. Here's what he did. Instead, we're saying church is now a platform to get elected. Church is now a platform to be different and make a stand. You know, and, you know, some some people want to say that, you know, oh, well, church now is all about lights and mirrors and fun, cool technology. And it's it's cool. We like it. We have it. Does this in any way take away from the message of Christ? No. Does this help get people in the doors? I hope so. But let me tell you something. When when we painted that building over there, I say we, I wasn't here. I can't paint. <laughs> but if you walk into that building over there, if it's it's bright colors and lights and like it looks like a bag of Skittles exploded in the best way possible. But that's because when a kid walks in the room, it's bright colors and flashlight and the kids get excited about going to church. They get excited about what they see. They go in and it's fun and there's things to do and it, it makes them want to go to church. And why do we have lights and cool technology? Because we want you to be excited while you're here. We want you to, why, why do you think that they put cheerleaders at a football game? It's to help get people excited. Why do we have loud music and a cool dubstep intro that make, you know, th that thing? It's to get people excited. And our message that we're giving to the world needs to be excited. You know, sometimes, you know, to, to make it through Monday, you got to have a little bit of, you know, pump up going on. You know, I've, I, I have a mix of music um, that is best described as Christian death metal. <laughs> and sometimes on my break, I put in my noise-canceling headphones hit my head on my desk, and just let her rip. Because I, I need that boost to make it through the day. And I, I know for a fact that you've been there too. It might not be Christian death metal. But listen, I've, I've, heard, I've heard some of y'all pulling in the parking lot on motorcycles, Clint Banks. And... <laughs> And I've heard, y'all might be pulling in in your cars, just, but I hear, and you got the same. I know you need some hype music in your life. And that's why churches have the, the smoke and mirrors and hype. It's not to take away from your experience with Jesus. It's to get you excited about having an experience with Jesus. And let me tell you, you can get just as excited in an old church sitting on pews with hymnals because sometimes a hymnal is someone's Christian death metal. 
And that doesn't spell people not being unified because we meet in separate buildings and our church services might look a little bit different. That does not mean we're not unified. It doesn't look different because some people wore suits to church on Sunday and some people wear shorts and a t-shirt. It doesn't mean we're not unified when some of us got long hair and some of us got short hair. That's not what being ununified is about. It doesn't mean that, well, this person only goes to church and a house on Friday nights and they don't worship on Sundays or this person goes on Sunday mornings to two services and then on Sunday night. That's not means a lack of unity. We can be different and together at the same time. If you have been through growth drag, we talk about that the body of Christ, you know, when we, the Bible describes it, it means that there's some people that are fingers, some people that are knees, some people that are feet, some people that are eyes. But I want you to think of it like a baseball team. Some people are going to be really, really good at first base, but can't pitch. You know, you, you, you might be wearing different outfits across the field. There's some things that we all need to be good at. We all need to be able to hit the ball. We all need to be able to catch the ball. But there's certain things that are specific for us that we need to be good at that no one else has to be good at. That's our job. Unity is when we all take our uniqueness and bring it together for the cause of Christ. I'm glad God made every one of us different because if there's a lot of me in the room, it'd get pretty weird. <laughs> the way you make things work in life, whether it's a marriage, a family, or a business, is you have a bunch of different people coming together with different sets of skills, different personalities, and you bring them together and you accomplish one goal. That's what unity is. And sometimes the people you fight the hardest with are the people you love the most. Someone asked me, how, do you can, how can you tell when you love somebody like family? I say, it's when the same time you want to shoot them and you'll take a bullet for them. Amen. And usually those people you feel like that about are the people you butt heads with the most. How many of you have ever heard that you say, the child you butt heads with the hardest is the one that's most like you? And I think on that same note, when we come together as a group of believers, we have to be consciously expecting and knowing that we're going to butt heads at some point in time because we're coming together for the same cause. Especially when we come to a place like this and we bring our burdens to lay down in front of Christ, we all walk in with a lot of stuff, and sometimes that stuff can kind of get tense. But coming together as a group of messed up people, different personalities, we all have our own baggage and own nonsense, but when we do it together with the singular message that Christ came and died for every single one of us individually, then is when we find unification. Then is when we find out what the message of the gospel really was. What church is about. 
when we see people serving together and worshiping together, families coming together, when we see more unification, and that doesn't mean we have more people in the seats. That means we have more families reading their Bible together, sitting at a table together, eating meals together, and talking together. When we see more people coming together and loving one another, when we start to see people be friends with people they probably wouldn't have been friends with in the past, when we start to see people that said, I'll never go back to another church again, come in and say, listen, this is a little bit different here at LifePoint, but I'm, I'm, I think I'm in. When we start to see people that are coming out of their corners and start to be able to have a decent human conversation with one another. So I want to pray this morning, and I want each and every one of us to search our hearts and find out where we are conflicting with our fellow believers the most. What area am I the biggest spiritual arguer? That might not be a word, but it is now. Where in my heart do I find the most tension with my fellow believers? What am I doing that I need to not do, or what am I not doing that I need to start doing? How is my lifestyle breaking unity with the body of Christ? So, Father, we come before you today praying that you would help us search our hearts, help us to find unity, help us to keep our eyes focused on the goal, and that goal is teaching people about you. Lord, let us love one another with the way you loved us. Let us come together closer and not draw our people away from you. Bless us and keep us and help us to always remember why we do what we do. In your son's name, amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord praise. Here's what I want to do before we leave. Man, this is your pastor's heart speaking. I want you to stand to your feet. I, I just feel compelled to just before we walk out of this building, here's what I want to do. Man, you walked in and, and you're sick in your body. You walked in and, and you, you've had uh, stress and anxiety cover you this week. You, you've just, you've got something you need for Christ to heal this morning. And just this closing prayer, here's what we're going to do. I'm, I'm going to pray in faith believing that God is going to do a unique work of healing in your mind, in your soul, in your body. And so just so I know, with nobody looking around, Dwayne, include me in this prayer this morning. I just want your hand in the air. Father, in the name that's above every name, we call on the Spirit of God to do what only you can do. God, would you heal a body this morning? Would, would you do, uh, God, you created us. So if you created us, you can fix what's wrong. So God, we pray in faith, believing for healing in our bodies. We pray for healing in our minds today. God, that you would uh, help us to confront the anxious thoughts and to take them captive and to bring them under obedience to Christ Jesus. God, that you would help us to not worry about anything, but pray about everything. God, thank you that you're healing souls today. God, and if there's one in this room that doesn't know Jesus, I pray that right now that they would confess their sins, they would uh, receive Christ and trust him with the rest of their life, that they would walk out of this building on mission for Christ, and that God, most of all, we pray that you would do a work in hearts and lives as only you can 
that you heal, deliver in Christ's name. And we'll be careful, oh very careful, to give you praise and honor and glory because you are good. You are very good. We worship you. You're king. You're above all. You, are every, you hold everything together. And we focus our hearts and our attention on you. And we leave this place on mission for Jesus. Help us to speak words of unity and not disunity. Help us to do what we learned this morning and not be divisive, but be uh, unified under the bonds of Christ Jesus because it's in his name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, if you love Jesus, you ought to offer him a motivation of praise. Amen, amen, amen. Have a great afternoon. See you Wednesday night.